Hey, this is Steve Byrne from Sullivan & Son. You're listening to P.S. Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm P.F., this is my tape recorder. Coming up, the Sklar brothers discuss their interest in sports and comedy. Both pretty equally, but... Sports we, when we were really young, and then comedy sort of... As we started to develop more as as people, you know, and, uh, even like 10 or 11, 12 years old, we were huge fans. I mean, huge Seinfeld fans before he ever had his show. Up, and we would like go around and tell people, God, there's this guy named Jerry Seinfeld, and I can't believe we have to beat the drum for this guy. Like, nobody's ever going to know who he is. We'll hear more from the Scholar Brothers in just a bit. We've got a great installment of its Facebook, not fact book. But first, as always, fake news. And now, fake news with me. While they are growing in popularity, off-menu items at fast food restaurants are not new. Following on the heels of California's In-N-Out Burger, other fast food chains are introducing these so-called secret menu items. At McDonald's, for example, the Monster Mac has eight beef patties versus the standard two in a traditional Big Mac. In other restaurant news, Applebee's is getting a makeover. The restaurant chain is looking to attract younger customers and plans to do this by remodeling all its locations, focusing more on the bar area, and serving edible food. The father of Republican Texas Senator Ted Cruz said black people, quote, need to be educated, unquote, about Democrats, so they will vote Republican. Cruz, who made the comments at the Western Williamson Republican Club back in August, added the average black does not understand that the minimum wage is bad. The August 21st meeting advertised that Cruz would speak passionately on what can be done to return our nation to the principles that made America exceptional, like returning to a time when black folks worked for little or no money and liked it and then voted for Republicans. CVS Caremark has stopped selling tobacco products in all of its stores as of this past Wednesday. A move health experts hope will be followed by other major drugstore change. Said a spokesman for Hobby Lobby, you know what else you could stop selling? A former chemistry teacher at a Catholic all-girls high school in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan, said she was fired before the semester started because of her non-traditional pregnancy. Barbara Webb, 33, of Madison Heights, said she worked for Marion High School for nine years, also coaching volleyball and softball and serving as a student government moderator. She is gay, but said she believes the public visible nature of her pregnancy is what led to her firing. She asked the school board, well, do you want me to get rid of it? The naked photo you took on your phone and deleted is still around somewhere. That's the reality today because of how modern phones, tablets, and laptops save your data. By default, photos and documents don't reside on your device alone. They're routinely backed up to a cloud. That means they're quietly copied onto a company's computer servers. Ironically, that important document you really need and you accidentally deleted is really gone. And that's been Fake News with me. It's time for another installment of... It's Facebook, not Factbook. Came across a strange one this week. A uh, high school classmate of mine posted a picture uh, which he shared from somebody else, and it is a picture of a woman named Alex Israel. She is a, a friend of Adam Lanza, who was the uh, shooter in the Newtown uh, situation there back a couple of years ago. And then below that is a picture of Katie Foley, who is a sister of the journalist who was killed a couple of weeks ago in Iraq. And he, the pictures are on one on top of the other. And it's supposed to uh, suggest to you that these are actually the same person, because what these are, these are called crisis actors. And I had never heard this term before until I saw this photo. Yes, uh, crisis actors. Well, the the picture that this woman originally shared, and then my 
classmate uh, reshared, says the majority of the big news stories you see on TV are all faked. They use crisis actors. Below is a recent example, and then there's the picture. So um, if you look at this photo and then you go to YouTube and you look at you know the the two women talking, yeah, they look a lot alike, but they are not the same person. However, uh, a lot of people really buy into this, uh, like this guy, for example. This is Miss Israel from Sandy Hook. Remember? I was actually yeah. uh, not around for those videos. I, I hadn't been yes. started on all this stuff yet. Um, but I want you to pay very close attention to her facial features. Okay, dude goes on and on about this and tries to convince you that it's the same woman. And uh, it, it's, it's not. Okay, that's enough, dude. Now, I did find one guy uh, who believes that the Newtown, Connecticut shootings were staged and everyone involved uh, was an actor, but he doesn't believe these two women are the same person because, you know, he's not crazy. Now, I get why people buy into this, because there's a kernel of believability to this, because something similar to this has happened before. Jason Blair had been a rising star during a nearly four-year career at the New York Times, but in the spring of 2003, it became clear he had plagiarized or outright fabricated dozens of stories he'd allegedly written for the paper. He lifted passages from other people's work. He pretended to visit cities he never traveled to and wrote about information from confidential sources that did not exist. And then there was the lady from the Washington Post who made up a whole story about an eight-year-old heroin addict. But these two journalists were acting on their own and not as some operatives of the New World Order. The crisis actor thing, of course, is part of a larger conspiracy, you see. One that also has a kernel of believability because of, well, things like this. The American military were also experimenting with LSD as a potential weapon. Here is a group of normal soldiers responding correctly to a series of routine drill commands. After receiving a small dose of LSD, they're confused and undisciplined. Wait, the U.S. military tested LSD on its own soldiers? Yeah. And then there's also this. And what most Chileans did not know in 1973, and what many Americans still do not know, was that the coup of September 11th, 1973, was the work of intelligence operatives, American intelligence operatives, and they took their orders directly from the White House. That was Colorado School of Mining professor Kenneth Osgood on C-SPAN's American History TV discussing the 1973 military coup in Chile. And, of course, then there's this. With respect to 9-11, of course, you've had the um, uh, story that's been public out there that checks uh, alleged that uh, Mohammed Atta, the lead attacker, met uh, in Prague with a senior Iraqi intelligence official five months before the attack. Former Vice President Dick Cheney lying about al-Qaeda's connection to the 9-11 attacks. So, uh, yes, nefarious things go on. Governments, uh, at the behest of large corporations and other power brokers, do make stuff up and, you know, are up to, you know, some pretty sneaky things at times. But these things make sense. They made this stuff up about Iraq because they wanted the oil. That makes sense. Uh, you know, why they would... The 9-11 conspiracy, let me address that for a second. I don't buy into that one because as evil as Bush and Cheney are, uh, first of all, I don't think they had the competence to pull something like that off and make it stick, one. And two, why would they bother going into Afghanistan, a country with absolutely no monetary value whatsoever, and a place where the second most powerful superpower on Earth was stuck in a quagmire for years and years? Why, why would they just pin 9-11 on Iraq to begin with, which is the war they wanted even before the towers were hit. They came into office, I believe, in my opinion, really wanting to go to war with Iraq, maybe Iran, maybe both, who knows. But they definitely did not want Afghanistan. So 
Anyway, getting back to the uh, the uh, crisis actor situation is, uh, the conspiracy, like I said, has to make sense. These mass shootings are staged, you see, because President Obama wants to take your guns away. And so far, that's working great, like in Colorado. Two Democratic state senators are now facing recall votes a week from today after each played a big role in passing tough new gun control laws in Colorado. And that apparently has... And it's working in Arizona, too, where Governor Jan Brewer signed legislation involving gun buyback programs run by police. A friend of a friend of the show, Sank Uger from Young Turks, fills us in. Telling those local cities and counties, once you buy the guns back, you cannot destroy them. You must resell them. Also working in Missouri. A South County Republican proposing a bill that would make it illegal for anyone to even introduce legislation that restricts gun ownership. Now, that last clip is kind of old. They have since introduced legislation in Missouri that will prevent lawmakers from even thinking about introducing gun control laws. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, people believe that Alex Israel and Katie Foley are the same person, even though they clearly are not. But I have a confession to make. Um, The tape recorder has used crisis actors in the past. You want proof? Episode 161. We interviewed Midjur of Ultravox. Uh, not really. Uh, it was it was slightly different for me. I started. Uh, I suppose my my musical life started uh, uh, with a band called Slick, which were a kind of basity rollers type band. Oh, that's we, you know, we, we, uh, we you know we, we made music that was written by uh, the same guys who wrote the basity rollers stuff. And and on episode one forty seven, I interviewed my friend Brian about his favorite band, The Alarm. Yeah, you know the early part of their career, they had. Uh they had a, a few hits when they were when they were one of those bands that had a cool up and coming vibe about them the the stand kind of got a lot of interest and a lot of radio play it wasn't really a big hit but then uh, they, they released 68 guns to promote declaration and that was that was a pretty big hit and then it's the same guy actually they do look a lot alike i posted a side-by-side picture in the comment section of that original post from my classmate and said uh you know if alec israel and katie foley are the same person then my friend brian and Majur are the same person and i even showed this picture to my wife and she actually said to me which one is brian she honestly couldn't tell and i'll post that picture on the psd recorder facebook page for you all to see uh my friend brian and Majur uh side-by-side comparison and you can see if you can figure out which one is actually ultra boxes mid-year. So anyway, I think it's, it's just so silly to me that people invest all this time into promoting all of this nonsense, but then take no time to fact-check anything or concentrate on stuff that's actually going on. Because remember, folks... It's Facebook, not Factbook. Hey, folks, remember this? Dear Joey, getting my hair done. Be back at 3.30. Please go to Lawson's and pick up bread, lunch meat, potato salad, and pop. And if you want... Or this? We have fresh ideas at Red Barn, like a salad bar for you. This is the third time my husband went back to the salad bar. Or how about this? Well, Home Shirts has all of your vintage apparel needs, recalling all the great brands and restaurants of yesteryear, particularly from the cities of Cincinnati, Cleveland, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and St. Louis, but also from brands around the country. Just head to homeshirts.com and check out all of our vintage apparel needs, including restaurants, stores, great sports teams. Check it out, and when you order specifically from Home Shirts Cleveland, we make a couple of bucks, and we really appreciate it. Merry-go-round. Unique fashions for guys and gals. 
You know the Sklar Brothers as headlining stand-up comics from their substitute work on the Jim Rome Show and from, of course, their successful podcast, Sklarborough Country. We sat down and talked with them right before the Brouhaha Festival here in Cincinnati that they headlined uh, on one of the nights. Here now is our interview with the Sklar Brothers. Okay, joining us on PS Tape Recorder is the Sklar Brothers. This is huge. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you so oh, much for having us. It's great to be here. Yeah. Jesus. Um, I've, I've heard you guys um, going all the way back to when you uh, used to sub for Jim Rome. Do you still sub for Jim Rome occasionally? Because I don't listen to him much we anymore. Did, we've done less. Once we started doing his uh, Showtime show, they kind of wanted us to just do that. So we kind of stopped doing even the CBS sports show that he was, the, the regular daily show that he did there. And we slowed down on doing, filling in for him on uh, the radio. Although I just spoke with Dave Whalen, who's one of his producers. He's going to be gone in October and I think they're going to have us back then oh, okay. to fill in for him then, which we love doing it. It's one of our favorite things to do. Yeah, I like you guys on there a lot. Um, uh, sometimes even referring you to, to Romy himself. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, I mean, Jay, Jay, you can speak to the fact that we had him on our podcast. Yeah, uh, we had Rome on Sclarboro Country, our podcast, yes. for a full hour just sitting down and talking to him, um, which he which does something he doesn't do. Yeah, he doesn't do a lot of long, long-range interviews. No, um, I haven't seen and any. It was, it was really great, especially because for us, you know, we came to understand who he was as we started doing the show. Mm. I mean, we knew Jim Rome. We knew what he was capable of. We knew some of the history of the Rome show, but we weren't like Rome clone insiders on his radio show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we just started to develop an understanding of the radio show as we did it. Oh. And then we realized, oh, this guy created a whole language yeah. with his fan base. And, you know, there's a glossary of terms that only they know. And a lot of that stuff influenced us when we set out to create uh, our own podcast Glarbro Country and actually we were inspired to create the podcast based on the fact that we would fill in for Rome once every few months but crazy stuff would happen in the in-between and people on Twitter once that started getting going who listened to us on Rome were like oh I wish you guys were guest hosting Rome this week so that we could you know talk about X, Y, or Z yeah Cool. Yeah. So, how did you guys first get to be one of his uh, rotating uh, crew of substitutes? There was from him seeing you do comedy about sports, or from uh, the show. What was that show you guys used to do on ESPN? I can't remember. Uh, uh, cheap, 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 cheap seats. seats. Yeah. He, was, he was a huge fan of cheap seats. We didn't know this until we interviewed him. Actually, this is Randy talking. Okay. Um, we we didn't know that he was a huge fan of cheap seats until we interviewed him. But then he told us he was. But the way it happened was our producer on cheap seats. Todd Pellegrino was friends with Michael Mant, who produced uh, Jim Rome is Burning. And it was still in the incubation stage back when we were doing uh, Cheap Seats. And he said, look, Michael's out in L.A. Why don't you sit down and meet with him? Because they're doing this new show with Jim Rome where they want to have like comedians and writers and uh, athletes be part of a forum segment. Meet with him. And we met with him, and it sounded great. But we're like, that'll never happen the way they just explained it. Because in TV, it just never happens the way you think it's going to happen from the beginning. But it wound up the show happened and, and it took off and they just kept, they called me, just Randy, just me to come in. Uh, and I came in and started to do the forum, in, forum pretty regularly. Got to know Travis Rogers, who was his producer at the time. And Travis said, you know, Jim's taking a couple of days off. Do you guys want to guest host one of the one of the shows that he's gone? And I just said yes, instinctively, not really fully understanding what it was that we were stepping into. Oh, well, yeah. And, 
And then we prepped for it and had a great show. And I, I kind of am glad we, like Jay was saying before, we didn't know the full story because it would have been really intimidating. Instead, we just went in and did the thing that we did. And I think Jim really liked it because it was different from what he was doing. And it just, from that point on, was really, I mean, we developed our own sort of subset of his fans called Sclones, which is the oh, greatest cool. thing in the world. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, um, yeah, I used to write for a radio show here in Cincinnati, and uh, one of the things I used to do is I used to do a, a call-in as Jim Rome to the show. And yeah. uh, I'll send a, a link to that. I have a YouTube video of it I can send to you. I'll send it to Samantha and she can forward it to you, and then you can recoil in horror. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my, it. my host liked yeah, it, but uh, it sounds better in my head, as these things often do. But sure. um, getting back to sports and stuff, and I thought you guys were from Michigan, but you merely went to school in Michigan. You're from St. Louis. From St. Louis, Missouri. All right. University of Michigan, and then moved okay. to New York, and then moved out to L.A. So in St. Louis, like, do you know the people in the comedy community there, like Greg Warren and Andy Smith and all them? Jeremy yes. Essig? Oh, cool. I, I don't know Andy Smith, but we do know Greg Warren pretty well. We were just with him down at the Moon Tower Comedy Festival oh, awesome. in Austin back in April. And I just, I mean, we know we've known him before. I love him. He's so funny, and he's just... He's great because he does really specific material about St. Louis, where we grew up, and yeah. we've done that in the past too. And I just, we just really connect with him. Uh, I've been to St. Louis once for an hour in the airport. Uh-huh. Yeah, but I am a huge St. Louis blues fan, going back to when I was thirteen. I love that. Well, St. Louis, St. Louis and Cincinnati are really similar cities. Cities on the yeah. river, kind yes. of blue collar, sort of same size. Our parents. Our mom grew up in Canton, Ohio, and our dad, who's no longer with us, but uh, he grew up in St. Louis, and they oh. met in Cincinnati. Oh, so, oh, wow! Well, there yeah, you have Cincinnati it. Cincinnati holds a very special place in the history of our family as this like place. Our mom worked in the Central Trust Building, and oh, wow! I yeah, right after she graduated from Ohio State. So well, that's so weird. I mean, it's it's kind of awesome, and we've been back to Cincinnati a couple times and just loved it when we were there. That is so cool. Yeah. Um, uh, when I was uh, 13, I lost my hockey team. The uh, The Barons folded in Cleveland. I was just scanning around the radio, stumbled upon Dan Kelly, calling the Blues games, yeah. and that's, that's uh, I mean, all it took. There's nobody better than Dan Kelly. I mean, the fact that in St. Louis we had uh, Jack Buck for the Cardinals yep. and Dan Kelly for the Blues, that's that's a ridiculous uh, embarrassment of riches when it yes. comes to sports announcers. Oh, totally, totally. So do you guys spend much time in Cincinnati getting back to visit, or I guess once your folks met and they were in St. Louis? You, you, yeah, you know, I was that's... in St. Louis, but I mean, we, we went we to perform. We performed at the University of Cincinnati once, and then were we back there another time? I think we were back another time for some other event. Oh, we went to a Reds game uh, in the new ballpark. For, okay. It was great. Great American ballpark, is that it? Yes, that is GABP. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Beautiful park. Love the fans. We had a lot of we had a lot of fun. At what that. did we do that for? We were, it was for like a a corporate thing. I think we saw we were showing up for a company for a project we were involved in. It was really cool to be back. And we went to the Montgomery and Boathouse and had yeah. uh, had the barbecue sauce and the chips and the ribs. And we went and got Grater's ice cream and all the great stuff. We love it. Yeah, this is a good food town. I'm moving here from great Cleveland. Town. Yeah. Um, so on the comedy side, growing up, uh, who were you guys like influenced by? What got, got you guys into comedy? And were you as into comedy as you were into sports or both kind of equally? How did that uh, all come about? Both pretty equally, but we, sports when we were really young, and then comedy sort of as we started to develop more as as people, you know, and, uh, even like ten or eleven, twelve years old, we were huge fans 
I mean, huge Seinfeld fans before he ever had his show. Oh yeah, was a stand up, and we would like go around and tell people, you yeah. gotta hear this. You got this. This guy named Jerry Seinfeld, and we felt so like I can't believe we have to beat the drum for this guy. Like nobody's ever gonna know who he is. Yeah, I know, you know? right? Because and of course we were right. No one knew who he was. He kind <laughs> of faded away after the mid '80s, and nothing happened to him. No, but it was really cool because there was this time in the in the '80s when. Rodney Dangerfield's Young Comedian special and uh, and some other stuff on HBO. There was a lot of comedy on TV that we were fans of. I mean, Bill Cosby himself, that hour, was so influential on us. David Letterman as like a comedy influence on us. We used to watch. I mean, it was the combination of Letterman and Seinfeld, Seinfeld as a stand-up, then SNL on, on Saturday nights. And I would say movies like Airplane or Blazing Saddles. I mean, these are things that we'd watch over and over and over again. And we really understood the comedy of it. Mel Brooks, all the Mel Brooks movies, all those oh. movies. And we just understand the comedy of it. And we would do it for people who didn't know these things. And they'd be cracking up. And it ah. just sort of gave us this, oh, yeah, it's like fun to make people laugh. And so it, we, we got really kind of, we were nerds, comedy nerds. And what about equally with sports or concurrent with sports? Equally or? with sports because we – this is Randy talking again. Because we played sports. We played baseball. We played soccer. We played indoor soccer. Played a little basketball yeah. and whatnot. But as St. Louis, you know, the Cardinals were in the World Series three times in the 80s when we were in school. Which was amazing. Which was oh. incredible. And so when they're that fun, when they're doing that well, you you just are immediately glued into the – to who they were. The St. Louis Steamers were great. The yeah. Blues were great. Yeah. You know, these were good, good sports teams. So like we were really, really into the local sports. And then we kind of took that nerdy sort of lens that we applied to knowing everything about certain comedians that we loved and then applied that to the world of sports. Like we could rattle off the, and I can tell you right now, like probably 10 steamers from that St. Louis steamer, Tony Glavin. Wow. Uh, Slobo Ilyeski, may he rest in peace. Don Ebert, Ty Keogh. He's not dead. We just want him to rest. Yeah. Get a good night's sleep. sleep is, yeah. I'm going to have eight hours of sleep. Why is that a bad thing? Why is that a bad thing? Actually, I think it's probably bad. But Yilmaz Orhan. He was not on the book. He was on the New York Arabs. Still, that's like a baby. Kai Hoskovy of the Cleveland Force. Yeah, oh, Cleveland Force. There you go. That was a great team. Cleveland Force, Chicago Sting, the Arrow Steamers, the New York Arrows, the Baltimore Blast. Pittsburgh Spirit, the Chicago Horizon, Buffalo Stallions. Buffalo Stallions, the Tacoma Stars. Las Vegas Americans, the LA Lasers. The LA Lasers. The San Francisco Fog. Oh, God, the San Francisco Fog. What a great name. I know, right? That should be the net. Like, that should be the name of a professional like team today. It should San be. Francisco. Do you guys know Josh Sneed uh, from? from yes. Yeah. We, we just met. We just met Josh because we had met him before. We had sort of, but we actually finally got to really hang out with him. Yeah, we met him in L.A. when he was out in L.A. briefly, but like we were did just, a week of shows. Did a week of shows in Florida, and we couldn't do the Thursday show, so he came down and headlined, and then he opened ah. for our featured for us. At the improv, and which was a mistake because he's so funny and so good that like <laughs> yeah we couldn't follow him. Couldn't he was follow so great. Him. We could uh, not follow him. He's so good and, and talented, and you know we really had a great time hanging out with him and just talking sports. And oh, he's a huge, <laughs> huge baseball fan. Yeah, we huge, um, and he's huge. such a smart guy and just a fun guy to hang out with. And he, you know, kind of let us know he was super instrumental in helping to bring us out here to this uh, Brouhaha Fest, which we cannot and wait to do. The good choice, yeah. We're mixed up in a T-shirt business with Josh. I don't know if you know, I and mean, we do all those. I love that idea. It's yeah, yeah. 
idea ever. And the we idea have of taking old businesses from your town. It's like the funny from towns and species. He showed us the St. Louis ones, and I'm like, I'd get yeah. every one of these shirts. I know, I right? <laughs> one of these shirts. Yeah, we do the uh, the Cleveland ones, and uh, we're having a lot of fun with it. Um, so, uh, so when you guys started doing comedy, like to perform it, uh, I mean, you did, was it always you know do because you're in and out of, in and out of each other's pockets all these years, of course, being twins. Did it ever yeah. occur to you did do it and try it separately, or did you think it was always just we do it together because we're always together? It just wouldn't work any other way. No, I think we we've thought about doing stuff separately, and we have done stuff separately. I just think that you know we quickly understood that this is a really cool, unique thing. There aren't a lot of twins doing comedy, and if we do it well, we will stand out among other comedians and then among other teams. And also, the fact that there aren't a lot of teams that don't have music involved, <laughs> uh, just sets you it just apart. sets you apart. It feels very unique. And once we started doing it, we realized, oh, we have so much to learn, and we have to grow so much. All the time, we're ever trying to evolve our act and try to make it trying to make it better all the time. We're realizing that, you know, if we just stopped doing this now and went and did our own individual things, yes, we would understand how to be on stage. We would have stage presence and how to write jokes and do material. But uh, we'd be starting over in a lot of ways. We've spent 20 some odd years, 25 years, 26 years working on our team comedy and developing and be ashamed to leave it. Well, even apart from the twin thing, I was listening to your uh, special the other day, um, the, your latest one, where you had this sports commentary around at the halftime show in the pregame. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. listening to that dynamic and listening to you on Pardo's show, by the way, which was great. What a That was an awesome, uh, awesome episode of Never Not Funny. I um, love that guy. I think it appeals to also to people there's no funny brothers. I know two guys that I grew up with uh, in Pittsburgh, but they're two yeah. years apart, but there's that dynamic that they have. And I don't think maybe you've seen it. Like, like a lot of duos maybe are maybe artificial or they came together later. But I guess growing right. up together, you guys bring a whole different dynamic to the whole thing. Well, because it's an uh, – yes, thank you. And it's an organic thing. You're kind of like we can talk about something in our childhood and it's yep. not like, well, wait a minute. Where were you? And where everybody's like, we're on board. We believe it. And things that bother me, it's it's a far more. And I think that's where our next sort of foray will go into as we change as people, as we become parents of kids that are older, as we start to look at our own family dynamics that are happening within our individual families that we have, we then go back and revisit our own dynamics. And I think that's where we're going to start to head next into our material, hopefully. And hopefully you go deeper into that, but it becomes more universal. That's something that other everybody, like you were just talking about, can relate to. It's like I know friends who I have friends who were two brothers and they acted the same yeah. way about X, Y, and Z. Totally. Um, now, speaking of the Pardo thing, you guys, when you were on there, hit upon something that I think fascinates a lot of people. And it was, it was nice to hear you talk about it, the whole Dennis Miller thing. <laughs> Oh, I mean, that was, yeah, it's, we haven't really talked about it. We debated about whether, because we love Rich Miller, his brother, and his brother could not be better. He's like such a nice guy and yeah. a great dude. And, and, and books us still, we have business with him, and, you know, he, he works with, like, the Helium Comedy Clubs. And, and oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, someone else was telling me that. He's so great, he, and he's great, and, you know, you know, it's just one of those things. We've, we've been fortunate enough to have bigger comedians be extremely nice to us yeah <laughs> extremely gracious with us and supportive of us uh and then we've had it go the other way had it go the other way yeah I take off, but, uh yeah and so when it goes the other way 
you know, I mean, I think eventually you do have to tell the story. It happened to us. It's yeah. Not, we're not making anything up. Like right. That, everything that happened happened to us. And, you know, I think we also acknowledge on some level, and then when I take a little distance from the fact that we put it out there that, you know, we didn't pick him up at the right time on his flight. Yeah. It wasn't our fault, but we've traveled to places, and when the thing's not there, I can understand how he would be mad. I would never react the way he reacted to us, Yeah. but I can understand why he'd be a little frustrated and this and that, but he just took it too far in many, many ways. Yes, like, yes. It, it was more a story about being so enamored with someone and wanting them to be someone who was your comedy hero, wanting them to be someone who liked us back and all this stuff and having these high expectations and not and having them just not be met for a various number of reasons was a bummer. And I think people, you know, Woody Allen even explains meeting Groucho Marx and it being a huge letdown. He's like never. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's kind of the risk you run in this business and even, you know, doing what you guys do, uh, interacting with other entertainers is, you know, when I, I'm excited to interview somebody, I'll always be like, oh, this is going to be so cool. And then in the back of my mind, I'm thinking like, oh, my God, I hope this doesn't go bad. I hope this doesn't go bad. And he's going to be a jerk or she's going to be a But I've, I've lucked out. I've lucked out quite a bit. I've only had like one person uh, let me down. And I don't even remember who it was. And it wasn't even that big a deal. So Right. Um, yeah. It's, it's amazing. But, you know, you kind of say to yourself, well, what are the things... You know, and, and this whole Robin Williams situation, you, you, it makes you ponder, like, what, why are we in this business and what are we trying to do and what holes is it filling in our lives and who, who are we coming to this process and are we changed by it when we go through it? It's just all food for thought. Really, it's making us think in many, many ways. We actually got to meet him a few times and he was amazing. Yes. Like, exactly in the opposite direction. And I was just talking to a friend of ours yesterday who's a fantastic writer. Her name's Laura Kraft, K-R-A-F-F-T. I've heard of her. She's amazing. She wrote for Colbert. I think she wrote for Seinfeld or worked on something with Seinfeld a little bit. She's written on a million things. But she wrote for The Crazy Ones, which was the oh, last yeah, yeah, yeah. that Robin Williams did. And then, you know, and she was just talking about how much of an artist he was. And how as famous as he was, Robin Williams, and has been famous since like 77. Yes. Okay, let's be honest. It's like there's only one other person that we met that was famous for that long, and that was John Travolta. We did a movie with oh, him. Oh, cool. And they're just different. It's a different human being that has been, been super famous for that long. It wasn't even a slow burn. And Robin Williams would, she was explaining that Robin Williams would be getting scenes and reading scenes that were just written. And he would go through it and say, well, but what about this person over here? She's not getting any funny stuff. Like we need to distribute it more so that she's oh, getting wow. some funny stuff. It can't just all be me. And my friend Laura was like just blown away. Like who does, who, who, who has like, been constantly put forward and set up on a pedestal with thinking about other people that wow. way. That is so cool. Huh. That's a story I hadn't heard. Wow. That is really awesome. Amazing. Yeah. So what would be like the ultimate gig for you guys then? You have so many interests. Uh, you know, you said you're in film, you got this, you have two podcasts, uh, you know, subbing for Romy sometimes. What would be the ultimate gig for you guys? I mean, I think it would be great. We would love to do a weekly half hour to hour uh, sports comedy show on TV dealing with the topical oh, yeah. issues of sports of the week and we host it and I think you know we have a, a show in development right now that we're, we're putting together and we're going to go out and pitch that is just that and I think that would be for us that would be 
with where we are in our career, with what we've done leading up to this point, with how much we've, you know, sort of developed our own brand and voice within sports and comedy, we feel like it's our time to at least have a shot at doing a show like that. That would be our dream. That'd be great. Or doing like a, a TV show that's like a sitcom show where we're in it and part of an ensemble cast of, of our own creation. And it could be somewhat, and we actually have a, an idea with that that's floating around it. It's actually a TBS right now. And oh, cool. We'll see what happens with it. It's in the pipeline there. It's been there for a long time, which is never a good sign if yeah. something's been there for a long time. But yeah. you never know. It's not dead. And so that would be something because we do enjoy acting so much that uh, to just bring to life what we create on stage, of course, doing more stand-up. Just keeping it all going. I mean, we really get a lot of joy out of working. So the more we can do, uh, the better I think, the, the happier we are. Yeah, well, Steve Burns happy over TBS. So that would be great if that worked out. Yeah, Steve Wonder Burns is a great dude. We had him on our podcast recently, and he was just, it was fascinating to talk to him. And I just, I really like him. Awesome. Okay, guys, well, great. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Great. All right, thanks, all right, we'll guys. Come up, to, come up to us at the show, please. We'll do. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Okay. okay, thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Right. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks again to the Sklar Brothers for being on the show. You can catch the Sklar Brothers at Comedy Works in Denver, Colorado, September 11th through the 13th. And they're back in their hometown September 20th at the Demo in St. Louis, Missouri. For all other dates, go to supersklars.com. They keep their website very up-to-date. It's got their TV appearances. It's got a, a link to their uh, special that's now on Netflix. It's got a link, of course, to their podcast, Sklarborough Country. So check that out. We'll link to that on the Facebook page as well. I mean, on the uh, Podbean page. And if you go there, I will also uh, I'll post on the Facebook page the picture of uh, our friend Brian and uh, Majur. And you see if you can tell which one is which. And I'll also uh, have a link to that from the Podbean page that you guys can go to and check out as well. And then uh, other than that, just the usual credits, of course. Original music for a PFC recorder composed and performed by John Veropolis and Doug O'Connor with a little help from me. Like the tape recorder on Facebook so you can see that picture. Uh, follow me on Twitter at PF66. Let me see. Uh, oh, PFC tape recorder logo designed by Dan Coble. Dan and Logan's podcast, Magic Potion, should be going back up very soon. You can catch all episodes in iTunes. Just search iTunes for Magic Potion. And uh, I guess that is all for today, other than to say so long and thanks for listening. Mm